grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text today from Romans, the fifth chapter. Since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Dear friends of Christ, it was June 6, 1944, nearly 80 years ago, and there were 10,000 soldiers, nearly 10,000 soldiers that died on the shores of Normandy, D-Day. Just before landing, I mean, we knew it was going to be a bloody mess. And just before landing, one commander told his soldiers, you better make your peace with God. Have you ever heard that before? Before somebody dies, you say, well, you better make your peace with God. Well, my brother-in-law, Dale Fisk, died nine days ago. And he's gone to be with Jesus. And from the day he was baptized throughout his life, he was always a Christian. He lived with that constant hope. He lived with that assurance of his salvation continually. And yet, as he approached death, even though a former professor in one of our Concordia colleges, even though a renowned organist in the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, even though a choir director and musician in church every Sunday doubted. Oh, his doubts were temporary, but faith wavers even among the strongest. In our text, we see a bunch of people who had zero faith. They had no peace with God. They had no understanding of Jesus. They didn't understand salvation, their Savior. They doubted. Dale doubted. But his doubt ended in salvation. These people doubted, and their doubt ended in damnation. There's a difference between a a good ending and a bad ending. If you've ever read a mystery novel or seen a mystery show on TV... They always construct them so the end surprises you. Right? There's always a last-minute twist. There's always a last-minute change in the plot uh, so that things get shifted around. Just when it seems like the murderer is going to get away with it, something changes, and then the murderer is caught, and virtue is rewarded. Good ending. Right? Well, Trinity Sunday is a Sunday we get to celebrate a pretty good ending. It was a pretty good ending for Dale. It's going to be a pretty good ending for you and me. And when I say pretty good, that's a massive understatement. It's a glorious ending. In the presence of our glorious, majestic, divine Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, right? And so here here we have this salvation in Jesus, our God, our Savior, who is our life. And so our theme for this, this morning Peace with God through Jesus. In Genesis 1, we're told that God the Father created everything. We're told that the Holy Spirit hovered over the face of the earth. We're told that Jesus, in John chapter 1, that Jesus back then called everything into existence before he came human and took on human flesh. Jesus has always existed because he is God. And of course, The question I have, I guess, who is responsible then? If there's God the Father created, God the Son who hovered, and God the Son who called everything into existence, who's responsible for saving you? Yes. 
God the Father. Yes, God the Holy Spirit. And yes, God the Son. Scripture says you believe in Jesus because of what God the Father has done. Jesus said, people cannot come to me unless the Father who sent me brings them to me. Those are Jesus' words, not mine. God the Father draws you to Jesus. God the Father draws you to Him. Well, the Holy Spirit's also responsible, right? Why do you believe in Jesus? Because of God the Father, yes, but also because of the work of the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit's job is to create faith and to give faith. He's the one who calls you. He's the one who equips you. He's the one who enlightens you, enables you to see so that you can believe and call upon the name of Jesus for your salvation. And again, Jesus said, it is the Holy Spirit who gives life. It is the Holy Spirit. Flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But there are some of you who don't believe. Jesus' words, not mine. The Spirit gives life. But people don't believe. They just, they just don't. And, and, and some people are lost, and, they're, and they doubt, and they question, and they stumble over all that. All that language and, and reality. And in our world, people are stumbling. They're doing the same thing. They refuse Jesus. They refuse the gift of His salvation. However, you believe in Jesus. You believe in Jesus, and that's why you're here. Many in the world do. That Jesus, uh, that, that, and because you believe it's the work of God the Father, yes, and because you believe it's the work of the Holy Spirit, yes, but because you believe it's also the work of Jesus. Jesus said, you did not choose me, I chose you, and I appointed you. Jesus' words, not mine. Jesus says, I chose you, I saved you. And the Bible makes it clear that God's Son draws you to Him. It was only right that God should make Jesus perfect through suffering in order to bring many children to share in His glory. For Jesus is the one who leads them to salvation. Pretty clear. Who's responsible for your salvation? Well, we could, say, we could simplify it and simply say God. And that would be the correct answer, but it wouldn't be a complete answer. Who's responsible for saving you? God, the Father. God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. Without those three, you cannot be saved. And thus the Athanasian Creed, right? Yet many doubted. Even well-established believers in the faith doubt. My brother-in-law, Dale, just before he died, briefly doubted. But God has spoken. God has made it clear He's done all the work. He's called you. He paid the price. Salvation isn't dependent on us. It isn't dependent on, on, on my faith. It isn't dependent on how I trust. It's dependent, do you believe the promise? Do you cling to your God? Has what He, has what he has done, is it sufficient? If it is, then just simply claim. That's what faith does. It clings to the promises. Jesus said, people cannot come to me 
unless the Father who sent me brings them to me. I will bring these people back to life on the last day. That's what I will do, right? I'll bring them back to life. And that promise comes directly from Jesus' mouth, not from mine. It's a resurrection promise. I will bring these people back to life on the last day. After my brother-in-law's death, his wife Lynette, Kristen's sister, wrote this message to family and friends. We are trusting in the Lord's timing, knowing that the grace of God, the God's salvation in Jesus is the best medicine for restoring us. Remember your own baptism, knowing that Jesus died to save each of you. We will be sad, but we will also be reunited on the last day. And this all brings us back to our theme, peace with God through Jesus. Have you made your peace with God? On this Trinity Sunday, we focus on the amazing peace that is ours. Because through Jesus, we have been declared holy. We have been declared sinless. We have been declared righteous because we have eternal access to God. Our text says it this way, Therefore, since we have been justified, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Have you made peace with God? Therefore, since we have been justified, we have peace with God. Justified. It's a courtroom term. A biblical term, but a courtroom term. Now, I want you to picture in your mind a judge with a gavel in his hand. And you're standing before the court of God's law. It's the last day. It's judgment day. And everybody will stand before the court of God. And all the evidence of your life has been presented. Everything that you've said. Everything that you've done. It's all there. It's all been presented. Now, are you perfect? Are you sinless? Are you without fault? No? Well, the judge raises his gavel to pronounce the verdict. And he slams down the gavel. Now, you know your guilt. You know your faults. However, the judge, who is Jesus, slams down the gavel, and despite the evidence, despite the evidence to the contrary, he declares you sinless. He declares you forgiven. He declares you perfect through his blood. And you're pardoned, and you're set free. Why? Because of the word and because of the work of Jesus. Do you have peace with God? Have you made your peace with God? The first three chapters of Romans talk about how mankind is not at peace with God. Talks about how the whole world stands against God. Because the world wants to live in their own sin. They want to live in their own ways. Do their own thing. And try to make everybody else think it's okay to be able to do things like that. And so we have rallies and we have people and we have politicians saying that the world has the right to live the way the world wants to live. Listen to God's charge. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by observing the law. Rather, through the law, we become aware of our sin. God's holy law pronounces the whole world guilty. We are guilty. Guilty and deserving of eternal death. Guilty 
and deserving of eternal punishment. And God must, by His very nature of being a perfect, holy, sinless God, must, by His very nature, condemn to hell everyone who does not measure up. Not allow sin into His presence. Not allow unholiness into His presence. It goes against His divine, holy, perfect, mysterious nature. So how is it that you can stand before God? How is it that, you, that sinners can be declared holy? Well, it happens through the innocent suffering and death of Jesus, right? Through Jesus, the verdict of guilty has been changed because He bore our sins. He made us not guilty. Paul writes, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Have you made your peace with God? Is Jesus your Savior? Well, then, of course, you have. Paul continues, through our Lord Jesus, we have obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. Now, did you catch that? It says, You've been justified, and now you stand in the grace. You stand in the grace. The grace is your possession. The grace belongs to you. You've been granted access to God's love. Granted access to God. That's incredible. No one is granted access to God. Unless they're holy and perfect and cleansed. Because of Jesus, you have direct access. Through Jesus, you have obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. Can you imagine having access, direct access, to the President of the United States? That'd be incredible. Yeah, I'd like to see the President. The doors open up. Or, or, you, or maybe direct access to your favorite athlete or direct access to your favorite actress or actor. Well, you have access to God. And that's why Paul says, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. I'm the only way of access. Picture yourself in a room. Grace surrounds you. The presence of God's grace, God's undeserved love. Grace is in the wall before you. Grace is in the wall behind you, in the wall to your right, in the wall to your left. Grace, the floor, the floor, the ceiling, the power of God's grace, the presence of God's love surrounds you in every way. Well, that's the way it is with you. That's your reality. Grace before you, grace behind you, grace above you. You stand in the glory of God's grace because you have access to God. That's incredible. Paul says, through Jesus Christ we obtained access into this faith by grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We rejoice. Why? Because I'm, I'm at peace with God. We rejoice. Why? Because now I can die. I can die knowing. I die believing. Bring on God's glory. Listen, are there tears in this life? Yes? Bring the tears on. 
there will be a day where there will be no more tears. Is there suffering in this life? Yes. Bring the suffering and the pain on. There will be a day when there will be no more suffering or pain. Is there sickness in this life? Death? Bring it on. Bring on the cancer. Bring on the sickness. Bring on the death. Why? Well, once again, the day is coming when I'll never be sick again. Death will be no more. Yes, we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And Paul writes about it. We know that suffering creates endurance. Endurance then creates character. And character then creates confidence. And we're not ashamed to have this confidence. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Of course, this does not mean that we rejoice whenever we get sick. Or we rejoice when we get the, the, the doctor calls us and tells us we have cancer. We don't rejoice when we lose our job. We don't rejoice when we lose a loved one or a disaster hits our country. However, it does mean that when troubles like that happen, those troubles don't define who we are. We've been set free. We're forgiven. And one day, Jesus will come again and He will raise our bodies from the grave and we'll be set free. Have you made your peace with God? To live in the, His divine, glorious presence forevermore. Now, my limited human mind can't understand all that. Now, my limited human mind can't understand the divine mystery of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. My limited human brain can't comprehend God the Son is divine, God the Son is completely human, completely God and completely human at the same time. But my lack of understanding doesn't preclude the reality. You and I have made made peace with God through Jesus. Amen. Now may the peace of God that passes all understanding keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus and a life everlasting. Amen.